KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. We jump at any chance we have to talk about space here on the podcast. And big news this week as NASA landed the rover Perseverance on Mars. Pretty incredible work that was fraught with places where things could have gone sideways, but they didn't. So how big an achievement is getting the rover on Mars? And what are the hopes for this mission? To learn more, we reached out to Dr. Eric Jensen, professor of astronomy at Swarthmore College. And we talk all things Perseverance. Give a listen. So let's talk the science of this trip, of what they pulled off. How incredible is what NASA was able to do with Perseverance and getting the result they got? So I'm super impressed by it. You know, you look at the mission plan beforehand and look at all the things that has to go through and you think, that's a lot to to do and it seemed to really go well you know so they they did not go into orbit first as as planned so the plan was to send that spacecraft straight into the atmosphere going several thousand miles per hour um heats up to a few thousand degrees because of the drag from the atmosphere then it has to eject that heat shield then cameras can map out sort of where it is on the ground. This was the first one where they had image recognition technology. So they knew where they were going to come in. And uh, you know, during this descent, the spacecraft could take some some pictures, figure out exactly where it was, and then redirect a little bit to be able to land in the right place. So it does a quick read on where it is on the ground. Then it deploys a parachute once it gets to uh, a certain elevation where there's enough atmosphere to do that. That slows it down some more. Then rockets fire to slow it down some more and then a crane basically lowers the space the rover that last bit onto the ground and then detaches the crane and then the rest of the spacecraft flies a little farther away so it won't land on top of the crane because you don't want that and you have to do all of that without anybody on earth sending commands to do it because you can't do that mars where it is right now it takes a signal about 11 minutes each way to um, it's 11 minutes to get there and 11 minutes to get back. So it'd be like trying to drive your car with somebody telling you where you were 20 minutes ago, um, which you can't really do. But it, it all went super well, as far as I could tell. Um, and it seems like it was a great result. I was watching it live and, you know, they're sort of describing each step, what's happening. And they sort of laid out before, you know, there'll be one point where, you know, the signal is relayed in this way through a different spacecraft. And at one point, you know, they're sort of describing each step. And at one point, one person said, we lost telemetry with the spacecraft. And I had a little heart attack. And then there was a pause of about a second. And then the person said, as expected. That's what we want to, that's what we want to hear. So it seems like it all went, it all went great to, to get it there. What is the goal of Perseverance? What are they looking to do with this mission? Yeah, this one is interesting because there's been a a series of Mars rovers, as you may know. And what's a little different, you know, we learn something from each each one. And what's a little different on this one is a very explicit focus on trying to determine whether there was past life on Mars. So life on Mars has been something that's been in people's minds for a hundred years or, or more in the seventies, some of the, the first missions to Mars, the first landing mission on Mars, um, the Viking missions from the 
the U.S. were had some experiments to explicitly try to test for life on the surface of Mars in ways we know now were kind of imperfect experiments, and those didn't turn up anything. And then after that, NASA kind of pulled back, and and missions were a little bit more sort of geology-focused. Um, and this one has kind of come back around to say, okay, we know enough about the surface of Mars. We have an abundance of evidence from these past rovers that um, early Mars, billions of years ago, was much more like Earth is today. It was warm. It was wet. There was flowing water on the surface. And now we've come to the point to say, okay, we know there are environments on Mars where the conditions early on were suitable for life. Let's go look and see if we can have, we can find evidence of past life on Mars. That's still challenging to do because more likely than not, it would be, you know, microbial life or something like that. That stuff doesn't fossilize very well. And so, but it still can leave traces of things that just geology wouldn't do. And so the experiments on the rover are designed to try to look for that, to look for traces of past life on Mars. And did I also read something that this rover has like a little helicopter or a little drone within it that it's supposed to detach and, and deploy? Yeah, that's one of the cool, interesting things that's different about this one is that there there is exactly as you say, a small helicopter, looks like what we would call a drone that they're going to uh, test out. That's one of the more experimental parts of the mission. One challenge to doing that is that the atmosphere of Mars is only about a one-tenth as thick as the atmosphere on Earth. So there's just not as much air for a, a helicopter propellers to push against. It's about like it would be at 100,000 feet above Earth's surface where helicopters never fly. Uh, the gravity is a little bit less on the surface of Mars, so that helps you a little bit, but it's still challenging. Yeah, so if that, so that's, that's a, a part of the mission, an experimental part to see if they can make the drone fly. Um, and it has cameras, and so it'll re- relay, if that all works well, relay back some of those images. And, I mean, I don't know, this is speculation, but I, I read somewhere that some scientists think that helicopters or these drones, this could kind of be the the next step as far as it looking at Mars. And we could see, maybe not the next step, but we could see a lot more in this direction if this goes well. Yeah, it's certainly one of those things that, you know, so there's a trade-off of experiments that we have now or missions we have now on Mars are things that stay in orbit. So they continue orbiting the planet and they can can relay images. So there you can cover a lot of ground, but you're farther away. Um, a rover can be right on the surface. And so it can, um, you know, directly take samples. It can get up close to things. Uh, a drone gives you something that's a little bit in between. You've got more mobility to cover more more territory, um, but you could also get down closer to things as well. So it'll be interesting to see. There's another mission in the works. I don't remember the timeline exactly, To uh, but it's to go to Saturn's moon Titan, large moon of Saturn, and that will also have a, a helicopter, a little larger scale one than, than they're talking about for Mars. That'll be an integral part of that mission. What's the hope as far as length of this mission? How long are they hoping that the the rover would remain operational and they'll be able to get stuff back? Yeah, the spec for it is one Martian year, which is a 680-some days, a little bit less than two Earth years. Um, so that's sort of the minimum that they expect. And they tend to, based on past experience, they tend to 
engineer these things pretty robustly. And some of the other rovers have gone way, way beyond their their nominal mission lifetime. This one's a little more ambitious, and you never know exactly what's going to happen. Um, but that's the minimum that they're shooting for. And it's already you know, such a scientific success just because of what you broke down as far as getting there. But what are some things, what would be things that would be really exciting that this could find with regards to the path to was there life on Mars? What are, what are some of the things you'll be looking to, to see if they can find? Yeah, so the I don't know the exact details of the chemical experiments and biological experiments, but basically they're looking for what people refer to as biosignatures. So it might not necessarily be something like a fossil. Again, that's probably not something we would expect to see on Mars, but but different chemical compounds that we think would not have been produced by just geologic processes, by non-living processes. And so Seeing something like that in some of the rock samples that they'll, some from the surface, but some that they'll also dig down to the subsurface a little bit for, uh, that would be really cool. One of the other cool things about this mission that's uh, that's more forward-looking and will rely on some things over the next 10 or 15 years or so is that one of the things this is going to do is, in particular interesting places, it will will drill in and and core out of interesting parts of rock or soil, and it'll put them in little test tubes that are very specially designed and engineered, and it'll gradually collect these samples, and it will park them in a particular spot in this crater where it lives. And the goal is to eventually, with a future mission, send a spacecraft that will pick those up and bring them back to Earth. So what they call a sample return mission. And that would open up a huge number of possibilities. You know, so you can design lots of experiments that you can do in in place. But you know, anytime you're trying to figure out a problem, you like you try something, and then you see something maybe you didn't expect, and then you make a decision. It's like, okay, well now I'm going to try this. You know, you can't really do that on Mars. You can't sort of change your mind about what you're going to do. But you could do that on Earth. We could bring back chunks of it on Earth. Then whatever we see in there we could go further. We could take the next step and the next step, and we could try to, to determine what's there and see up close what might be in those samples. So that's something I'm really excited about. Those, you know, the, the sample return mission is not yet designed or finalized. It's in, you know, their ideas in the works. So those samples that might get picked up in the next year might not make it back to earth until the 2030s sometime so sort of the plan that's the sort of long game part of the mission is to see if we could we could do that but that's something that i think is you know the next frontier and would be really exciting did i see that there are other countries that are in the atmosphere right now on mars is china uae they've got what exactly yep, do they have compared to what we had Right. Big, big week for mars over the last week or 10 days uh three different missions have arrived at Mars, and you might think, "Wow, well, isn't, isn't that? A, it's not a coincidence because once every two years, basically, Earth laps Mars in its orbit, and so there's a certain window of time. This would have been actually last summer, um, certain window of time where it's advantageous to launch a mission towards Mars because you've got just the right momentum and the right distance to get there. So all these missions were launched at about the same time, and so they arrive at about the same time. But this is part of the 
the spread of space programs to, to different countries. Um, India already has um, an orbiter around Mars that arrived a little while back. Um, and so now, exactly like you said, there's a Chinese orbiter that will deploy a rover as well, I think, maybe in the next couple of weeks. And there's a mission, first space mission from the United Arab Emirates, for at least first planetary mission to Mars. Uh, I don't know the details of their instrumentation. Those are targeting the Chinese rovers, targeting a different landing site. But I assume it's similar kinds of things. Look for past conditions on Mars and look for possible evidence of life. Um, but I think the more the merrier, the more eyes we have on the problem, the more we can learn about, uh, about what's happening there. Do you think we will see a human sent to Mars in our lifetimes? Do you think within the next 30, 40 years, is it feasible, possible, or are we in a long run of rovers and we just kind of get more aggressive and more uh, experimental with, with machines and robots? Um, predicting the future is hard, of course, and I don't know, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. It's certainly something people are, are talking about. And one of the other experimental parts of this mission is, besides the scientific experiments and the sample return and the drone that we talked about, is a, an apparatus to take carbon dioxide from Mars and convert it into oxygen and to see how that works. And the idea there is that that oxygen that you could, you could produce could either be used for humans to breathe if they were on Mars, or it could be used to make rocket fuel to launch a rocket back to Earth. So that's one of the challenges of a sample return is it's one thing to send a spacecraft to get there. But if you want to get, you know, it's like a trip uh, here on Earth. If you want to get back, you need twice as much fuel in your car if it's a round trip as if you just want to go one way. So, so there are steps in place where people are thinking about that uh, to, to try to send humans to Mars, how feasible it turns out to be and how long I think it'll happen eventually. Uh, what the time scale is, I don't know. Do you think, you know, you talk about China, UAE have, if that moment does come, it, it seems to me the most likely scenario would be kind of a global project rather than one country because it seems like everybody's kind of doing their own thing do you think we would hit a point where you know from a financial standpoint from a a capacity standpoint it might make more sense to to everybody team up i know that sounds very kumbaya but it, it might make more sense for everybody involved to to get together yeah that's a you know there are things that pull both ways on that there are Certainly advantages to sh pooling resources for any kind of project you can think of. That has not been the way that a lot of this has gone so far, partly because different countries want to be able to show what they can do independently. And maybe we reach a point where people feel like they don't have as much to prove and they can work together and we can all, we can all do that together. I, I agree with you that that would be great. Um, I hope, that that's the way that it would go because it would be there would be big advantages to doing that, but it's hard to know, hard to know what the what the how the politics and the science intersect on that. 
That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 